Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey now, how y'all doing? Welcome. You are listening to Steel Talking, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. I've been here 25 years, and oh my goodness, we have had some fun over the years. The in-studio producer is Jonathan Lowe. You will hear his voice from time to time, and we have got some fun stuff to talk about. So thank you for sticking and staying. Of course, the first hour is all about what is happening all over, and it's amazing to me. I came across an article in the New York Times by Emma Goldberg. And it was all about the circus and what generations like it and what generations don't. In fact, they really talk about Gen Z. Are they down to clown? Oh, God, that's such a stupid line. (laughs) Great article, though, Emma. Great article. It starts with this. The circus is a thrill. A locus of nostalgia for people who remember summers with family members under colorful tents, a beloved amalgam of the athletic and the absurd, the rare place where jugglers and acrobats and fire breathers can fly free, fodder for countless movies and a Dr. Seuss book, (laughs) And, and not to be a downer, a business. It is truly a business. Now, the circus has to make money to keep its clowns clowning. Well, coming out of the pandemic in 2020, Cirque du Soleil was in trouble. I didn't know this information, Jonathan. I was surprised. The company had staked nearly all its revenue in live shows with their dizzying displays of balletic grace and gravity-defying gymnastics. After filing for bankruptcy protection in 2020, Cirque decided it had to be more than just a circus. It wanted to be a brand, something that could sell perfumes and sunglasses, tote glasses and video games and so much more. So over the past year, the circus brought in consultants, which yielded months of meetings peppered with phrases like these. Oh, I think there's a real opportunity to elate, to elevate the art of clowning. You know, elevate the art of clowning. Or here's another. Don't focus on the cirque. Focus on the soleil. <laughs> here's another. We want to think of soleil as the building blocks of vibe. Last one. We've thrown a lot at you. So, lots of soleil. Okay, that sounds cool. It sounds really great. But the bottom line is that there's a whole generation that is not into circus. They're not into circus. Now, we may want them to be, right? We may think about this and go, oh, my gosh, how can we have, you know, a group of young ones that have no interest in circuses? Now, we have our own type of Cirque du Soleil here in the Twin Cities in, um, in parts of St. Paul. And I am blown away by it. I've never seen them perform. I keep hearing about it. I've seen pictures about it. And I know people, I know one person who was actually a part of it. And it's a wonderful thing. My children love the circus. 
when they were growing up. So here we are today looking at it from a whole different lens. They are saying that Generation Z, which I have nieces and nephews that are Generation Z, yeah, they're not interested in the circus, right? They think it's a little bit, uh, it doesn't say this in the article, but some of them think that, you know, no, this is not what we want. Now, they do like the whole idea of campy outfits, you know, kitschy makeup, feats of athletic daring, sequins, spandex, being extra. I don't need to be in sequins and spandex at the same time. That's just a little bit too much for me. Yet few of that generation you know, people born from 1997 to 2012, who now have $360 billion in consumer power, seemed interested in the circus. But Cirque's more than 40 shows sell 10 million tickets a year around the world, with a focus on its American home in Vegas, Las Vegas, yeah, but mostly to a middle age of very young audience. The average Cirque attendee is 42 years old. 42 years old! That's according to the company. More than two-thirds have children under 18. Go figure. Now, when I read this, Jonathan, and thought about it, I kept saying to myself, all right, I've, I've been to a lot of Cirque du Soleil, big shows. Uh, they used to come here to the Twin Cities a whole lot, and I went to so many of them. Michael loved them. Michael has actually been on stage and had a chance to go backstage and meet them and find out how they did what they did. Because he's a magician, so, you know, he's, he's trying to figure it out. But to realize that Generation Z is not as into it as we need them to be in order for this incredible thing called circus continues to happen. What do you think would happen, Jonathan, if all of a sudden it went away? All of them. All the Cirque du Soleil shows. So the first thing I want to do is double back to what you had said about the people that came in. Did you say they came in at the after the pandemic to try to help Cirque du Soleil in their image or, or try to rebrand the circus? They, they came in after the pandemic, right? Yeah, it was during, well, it was right during 2020, so it was as things were getting better. Okay. But they had a very difficult time. 2020 was right. very hard on okay. Cirque du Soleil. Okay. Right? Uh, those people need to be fired. Because those slogans were junk. Those were terrible. Those were things that I come up with, and that is why I'm not in the marketing business, because those were poor, terrible. So getting back to your your question about whether the circus will stick around, I think think it will. Um, If it's only for children, I don't know. Well, I think I, I was... While you were talking, I was thinking, well, it might be the circus's time because there are things that people find entertaining a hundred years ago or found entertaining a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, a thousand years ago that aren't around anymore because what the what the I guess you would say overall is people evolve and their people do evolve and their Mm -hmm. interests evolve and their and their their aversions evolve. So I think one thing you could look at is bullfighting. And bullfighting is not from what I from what I'm hearing, it's not near as prevalent or as or as is uh all over the place in places like Mexico and Spain as it used to be. It's kind of a dying uh interest. 
Maybe in this country only. Seriously, because no, no, there's no, no, so no. many. I, no, I, I, well, I, what I'm saying is I think what I was thinking of is the circus might be going that way because people might not want to see the live animals. They may not want to see the clowns anymore. But I think we've had various things that are like that in the past, and it's just kind of changed into different things. So even if this current circus and and the circuses of the day are not going to be around, I think it's going to change into something else that's similar. So have you ever seen a Cirque du Soleil show? No, I haven't. Okay. If you were to see it, I think you would feel differently. And, and, and to be honest, I think that Cirque du Soleil has been an evolution of what you would see at the old Barnum and Bailey. No. I've, I think no, I think totally different. Totally well, well, that's different. the thing. I think I think they've taken some of that concept, but they've evolved it to a different standard. I think I think that's another step in the evolution of it. Some people actually refer to Cirque du Soleil as creepy. Uh, I am one of them. The first show that I saw, the very first circus I saw um, in Las Vegas was Mystere. And Mystere was remarkable. They had these um, small people crawling across the ceiling, this dome that we were all in. You look up and there were these little beings just crawling everywhere. They were probably, you know, little people. And I'm not sure of that, but I couldn't tell because I was really blown away and thinking to myself, why? Why am I here? Why do I need to see this? Right? Because it didn't make me feel good. But then I started seeing so many other shows. I have seen maybe eight to ten Cirque du Soleil shows in my lifetime. And I used to love them. But Mystere really kind of frightened me, which was the very first. But as I kept watching, there were other moments when, that were just so beautiful in some of the pieces. And what, what you would see was remarkable. No other circus has done it. So, Cirque du Soleil is the best. So I want you to take a second here, and I want you to look at your phone. Because there's something that's coming on your phone right oh, now. Gosh. That, is, that is addressing the topic at hand. And why can't you? Oh, my gosh. Henry Lake. Yes. <laughs> Dude, is he on the line? He's not on the line. He just texted that in. Okay, Cirque du Soleil is the bomb. You got that right, Henry. You've got that right, dude. Love it until I didn't. I just really want to put that out. No, seriously. It was creepy to the point where you got the program. You could buy it. Uh, you know, it was like $27 or something like that. And I would buy one, you know, per show as, as I was, you know, seeing more of the shows. And then it got to the point when I saw, oh, uh-uh. Nope, nope, that was so, it. So, so wait, 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 though. You're saying that one instance where you saw Cirque du Soleil, yeah. it creeped you out. No, I saw it creep me out many times. Okay. Mystere so, in itself was this gigantic um, clown. Enough said, man. I'm just saying, okay. little people going across the, I mean, literally so, crawling across the ceiling. But you have had experiences with Cirque du Soleil where you were not creeped out, correct? Few and far between. Okay, okay. I, I was trying to make the point that, you know, it's not it, – it might have been just one instance or a couple instances, but the rest of the times were fine. But you are telling me that the whole experience as, as overall mm-hmm. has not been pleasant. Not for me. 
Not for me, but for you, Jonathan, because you're weird, right? That's why we love you. You're weird. And and you would love this because it's so weird. I am not weird. I don't think weird. You think weird. Thanks. <laughs> so, thanks. Right? thanks. No, you that. would love it. That. All I'm saying is if it comes to town, you got to get the ticket and go. If you that. want to see what I'm, what I'm trying to explain, if you want to see that. Because no put other that on circus. A bumper sticker. My coworker thinks I'm weird. No, just put it on there. I'm weird. Just say that. <laughs> My coworker told the truth. I'm weird. There you go. <laughs> okay, I know we got to take a break, and then we're going to come back in just a moment. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. It is such a pleasure having you join us. If you're just joining, uh, I am Geraldine Steele. I'm the host of Steele Talking, and I love it when I'm here with you. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I have been here over 25 years now, going on 26, got a little ways to go, and uh, Jonathan Lowe is the other voice that you are hearing. Now, I want to go back to Emma Goldberg's article uh, because she really addresses this whole thing with this Gen Z, right, Generation Z. Um, it says that Cirque du Soleil hired a cultural analyst firm called Cult Teak to answer an age-old question, is it possible to hack popularity? I don't even understand that question, Jonathan. Hack, hack I'm sorry, H-A-C-K, popularity? What? Uh, Hold on just a second here. Why why don't you tell us more about the article? Okay. Kultik argues that it is. Analysts there are in the business of selling cool, and their work with the circus this year has offered a glimpse into what it takes to change a business's reputation to do a brand makeover at a time when social media has made branding both more important than ever and more fraught. So when we talk about circus, I never think of a circus the way Cirque du Soleil does circus. Okay, do I need to say that one more time? Nah, so, y'all got Wait, that. wait, wait. So, so getting back to this thing of ha- hacking popularity. Yes. You're trying to say that the circus is, is trying to do that or Gen Z has found out a way to do that? 
Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Um, so I would guess my guess when you're talking about hacking popularity, it's kind of cheating the system. No, no, no. I think if we go back a couple of paragraphs, when it talks about Generation Z and how they love campy outfits, if that's so Cirque du Soleil. Kitsy makeup, oh, yeah. Feats of athletic daring, uh-huh. Sequin all over. I mean, even in your ears, seriously. Spandex being extra. That's what I'm talking about, right? This Generation Z, they love that strange kind of way out idea of dressing. All of that. So Cirque du Soleil, you would assume that Gen Z would be the one going, oh, yeah, we love y'all. We love you. However, that is not quite what Emma is saying in this article, which is entitled, Is Generation Z Down to Clowns? So The circus is counting on it because they lost so much money during the pandemic, especially 2020. They went I, broke. I, I will say this. I would have to talk to people that I know that have children in this age range, that have children that are, what, 15 or younger, 13 or younger, and, and ask them what their children are into. Because you hear all this all the time about the YouTube generation and the TikTok generation and trying to relate to one another, not just through the social social media platforms, but also in person. And people are talking about how, oh, we are so uh, in a bind with the, with the younger generation because they just don't want to meet in person, chat in person. They want to do everything over their phones or on the computer or online. And I wonder if something like a Cirque du Soleil or, or a more quote-unquote standard circus is – in that vein, because it's in person, you have to go to the shows. You know, they're not going to put their stuff up online because if they do that, they lose their business model, which is, like you said, the live shows. And so I wonder if that's a consequence. Of, I don't think it's a con con consequence. That's a good question. For me, I've seen so many of those shows. Right. And, and I've not only I haven't seen them all in Vegas. I've seen some in Vegas, like two, I believe. And then I saw all the others here in the Twin Cities. They used to come here all the time and present their shows, right? And I would go. My husband and I would go when I was married to bring the children when they were older. But we, we were very careful not to bring them too soon because it's creepy. There's a piece of it in every one of the shows I've seen. It is a piece that is creepy, like you know, a guy dressed up as a clown with a diaper on. But but just, like but like you said, but like you right. said, some okay, some younger people will find that uh, as as they like to say, cringe. Right, but that's what surprises uh, me about uh, this article. Yes, yes. Uh, well, others like you said, they have the they like the different makeup, they like the different outfits. They, they, they love like, all of that. They they like stuff like what you think of when you think of Cirque du Soleil. You might think of it as a more contained form of parkour. Pride. pride. It's like a pride. No, no, uh, no, no. I would say parkour. And you, you know what parkour is, right? No, I do not. It's you've seen the videos where people are jumping from different places of buildings to other buildings. They're they're jumping through gaps or over gaps, and and just in the street, just someone 
coming through downtown Minneapolis and finding some spaces where they jump from a railing to another railing. And there's a little hint of danger in every move that they make. Oh, it's more than a hint. They've yeah. been doing that for a long time, and I haven't seen a whole lot about that in recent years. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know, are you mentioning that because you you know that it's back? No, I just I just think that when you think of Cirque du Soleil, just the athleticism of the moves of the people, I think it's in a it's it's a form of parkour that just is in a more choreographed area and, and it's a more contained area. It's not just finding buildings in the city and trying to jump from one, you know, edifice to another. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was so into Cirque du Soleil initially when we started seeing it. And like I said, Mysterio is the very first one. And I tell you, even the booklet, I bought the booklet with all the pictures and all the stories. And I was creeped out and I thought I would never see it again. Then we decided to go to Vegas again and see a show. Then we started seeing shows in the Twin Cities. They had quite a few of them that came to the Twin Cities. My sister Javita was even invited to sing in one of those pieces. And I, I took my mother to see it in uh, Florida. I was there singing. This was years ago. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was very creepy. Very, very creepy to the point we got up and left. My mother said, let's go to church. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm telling you the truth. That's how bad it was. It was so creepy. I don't like creepy. I don't. So for me, it doesn't settle well in my spirit. Period. You know, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, this must be demonic and that I'm not that I'm not that person. Speaking and of I'm creep, not thinking that. Speaking of creeping, let's go ahead and creep on out to the break. Okay, if I have to. We'll be back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is now 737 here at WCCO. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with us. I am Geraldine Steele, the host of uh, This Night. And, of course, we go from 7 to 10 p.m. So thank you for sticking and staying with us all these years. <clears throat> My first guest tonight I'm really excited about. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Earlier this week, the University of Minnesota announced that they will no longer consider race in their college admission procedures. At the same time, they said that family influence, whether through attendance or employ employment, will also be dropped when looking at prospective students. Now, the university is one of several schools to remove legacy status from their admissions process in light of the Supreme Court's recent ruling on affirmative action. Now, what would this mean for higher education moving forward? Well, let's find out from Nat Smittenbull, a college admissions counselor at Ivy Wise. He joins us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Hello, Nat. Am I saying your name correctly? Yeah, sure. It's Nat Smittenbull. That, that was great. Oh, awesome. Well, welcome to CCO. We really appreciate your time. I must say that I am disappointed in all of this legacy talk, but then I started reading what it means um, to have legacy students in a university. Tell us about that. Well, so the legacy, uh, legacy admits typically means that you are giving, you're affirming 
sons, daughters, students that, uh, who have family members who have attended a specific university. Um, so it's, it's been part of the process for a long time. And we have, like, as you said before, a, a couple of universities that have now reversed that and, and done away with legacy preferences. Yet there are some that some of these universities are, are extending the definition of a legacy much further, including nieces, nephews, grandsons, granddaughters, and sometimes even siblings. Is that going too far? It depends on the university, right? So there are some universities that will consider that. Um, and there are a couple of reasons why they would um, to have a family tradition. Um, and, and we will certainly get to kind of the bottom of it because the legacy preferences you know, it's optically what people will talk about, but it's not really the heart of the matter um, because you can still be a legacy student or a legacy preference and still be admitted for other reasons, right? If we think about a Venn diagram, there's many reasons that you get admitted. And so if you can't be admitted for the legacy preference, you could be admitted for what we would call a development preference, right? So those are the real legacy admits that that make a difference from a college's perspective um, because those are families that have been philanthropic to the university and will continue to be and, and have been, and, and that can provide, you know, opportunities for, for many other students on, on the university campus. How long has this been going on, the legacy uh, at all of these, uni- many of the uh, universities and colleges? How long has this been happening? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's, before people were actually calling it a legacy preference, this was happening where you were giving a preference to certain, you know, certain, you you were affirming certain populations. So it's hard to say exactly when everyone started calling it legacy preferences. But now when you look at research, they're kind of grouping this population with other populations that are affirmed just that just the way that you know students were affirmed for their their ethnic or their racial background previously before the the Supreme Court decided that you could no longer do that well, this is a big deal, and it's a big change. How are the universities and colleges even considering how this is going to change and still make it part of it? I mean, are we talking about getting rid of legacy period when it comes to universities and colleges for the students? Yeah, so th- this is a great conversation because, like you said, initially you were a bit disappointed. Oh my gosh, like my kids, you know, I've been I've been a legacy, and I've you know worked hard, and I want my my son or daughter, my student, to go to the same university that I went to. Um, but if you look at the data and what happens when you take away legacy preferences, you'll see that it opens up a lot of spots for underrepresented students. So mm-hmm. if you if you were to just take, let's say, Johns Hopkins University was very visible and in, in when they when they got away from legacy preferences um in about 2014 or so and at that time the number of underrepresented students or the number specifically of pell eligible students was very very low uh and the number of students who were legacy preferences was high and shortly after they got rid of legacy preferences those percentages switched the number of Pell eligible students, right, almost, mm-hmm. you know, became a larger number. And that's what you've seen at other institutions that have done so. So it does give more room and more ability to admit students who have been marginalized historically in the process. 
Wow, that's remarkable. You know, my daughter uh, attended two Ivy Leagues, and, you know, there were students that would uh, tease her. Even when she was in high school, she was uh, finalizing all of her work in, in high school, and there were people who said, oh, you'll never get into that school, and, you know, you probably, you're probably only getting in because, you know, some of your parents or, you know, you know people, they know people at the school, and that's why you're getting in. It's really sad um, when a student has to hear something like that, and it's a student who has a 4.2, right? So... Excuse me. Right. No wonder they got rid of all of that, the grading, you know, 4.2 and all of that. They started getting rid of that. Thank goodness. But I, I, I cannot tell you how frustrating it is when you, we all have to fight to get in a position to be able to go to a university that we are worth going to. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So for this to, to be going on right now, particularly with um, students, some students that are looking more at, you know, their generation saying, I don't need college. I don't even need a, I don't even need a degree. And right. I cannot tell you how that breaks my heart, right? Um, and so when you hear this, don't we see mm-hmm. or do others see like yourself and say, look, you guys, you're damaging what we've already built. Why are we taking things down that we always mm-hmm. said we'd never take it down? Yeah, are you talking specifically about the affirmation like, of race? The affirmation like, of race, uh, the affirmation of the legacy, all of that. I don't know why it's a problem. Right. So I think when when you talk about, you know, the, the colleges that you've just, just mentioned, you know, Wesleyan College being one of the more recent ones that have, you know, have taken away legacy, what they're doing is that they're signaling to the general public that, hey, in light of the – Supreme Court decision, you know, we're, we're uncomfortable with, with kind of how college admissions is going, and we want to do something to try to make it easier for underrepresented or marginalized populations to have access to college, right? And so it is a signaling to the public, to the applicant pool, hey, we care about this. And by getting rid of legacy, because if you look at the data, the majority, the vast, vast majority of legacy students will be white students, right? So when you take away that affirmation, you are now making more room for students that, you know, through history, uh, historically have been marginalized through, you know, the infrastructure um, and, and, and just a, a longstanding structure that has made it harder for many other students who are not white and wealthy to have access to college. Mm. So then what happens to those that are already legacy students? Yeah, I mean, they can still be admitted, right? The, the, the ruling when, when a college is saying, hey, we, we're not, you know, we, we're not going to affirm you because of legacy status, it doesn't mean that you can't get in, right? There's still going to be plenty of legacy students that get in, right? When, when you look at the, the data, in, you know, at Johns Hopkins or some of the other places, there, there are still a number of students, you know, percentages, um, significant percentages of students who are legacy students, that are admitted to the college. And that's, that's a big part of the applicant pool. And that's a big part of, of the, you know, the important population on campus. So it's not like you can't get this, this ruling is like, if you're a legacy, you cannot be admitted. It just means that you can't be affirmed, right? You can't get a, you can't receive a bump for being a legacy, but you could still get a bump for, you know, being an athlete or, you know, being, having a high test score or having, you know, high grades that would help the college's bottom line. So, there are other things that you can get affirmed for, but colleges are saying, okay, legacy students, we're, we're no longer, you know, some colleges, not all, right? Some colleges are saying, we're no longer giving you a bump for being a legacy student. Mm. 
So would you advise then that those that are listening, parents that may be listening, trying to figure this out, it's a big deal. Um, and it's not something we can approach easily um, right now. We need more information. At least I think so. Sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think a lot of it is coded, right? Those that are kind of applying most families just don't they don't have access to what this all means. They have a very big misunderstanding of what this means, right? When I talk to a lot of my friends, right, we we live in an affluent community in Connecticut. When I talk to a lot of my friends, they're, you know, they're under the impression that, oh, wow, uh, like now that races, races, um, you know, can't be considered, it means that my son or daughter, right, if they're white, um, would have a a greater chance of getting into a place, right, because no longer can... You know, uh, kids that don't deserve spots or, you know, can't do the work, no longer can those kids get in. So now it gives my my son or daughter a greater chance. And that's the biggest misconception because the students that are no, – no one is getting in because, they, you know, everyone that is getting in can do the work, right? And, and really the students that are taking up the spots of my friends who, you know, who don't know are, are legacy students, right? And so and, – and for some colleges – they need the legacy students, right? Like that's very, very important for them as a business, as a cultural institution. It's part of their secret sauce. And so I'm not saying that every college should get away with legacy. Not, I don't think every college will do away with legacy preferences, but a lot of them I think will, um, will follow Wesley. And especially in that, in that group of schools, that's, you know, their athletic conference is called the NESCAC. And there are, there are other NESCAC schools that, you know, where the faculty Senate have voted to, to do away with legacy preferences, but that you know the the president has not has not yet um, followed suit on what the faculty would like. So the faculty, I get that, sir. I, I'm curious about your job yeah. as premier college admissions counselor. That is a big, yeah. gigantic t- um, a title for any parents that are li- listening and watching. Going, oh my gosh, I got to make sure she gets, you know, or he gets this great, you know, college admissions counselor. What you do right. really, really matters. It was um, uh, integral to my daughter's um, how she was able to move through yeah. education in her life. And I, I'm just curious to know with all of this happening now. How does it affect who you are and what you do? Yeah, you know, I think that this this business, right, the, the 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 profession of helping students and families navigate college admissions, it it, it has been a, a busy business for the last, you know, since, since I've been in, involved. Um, our company is, you know, Ivy Wise is just celebrating 25 years. Um, and it, it's never really had a down year, right? There's always going to be folks that want to m- maximize, optimize their chances of, of getting in. There's always going to be people that want to learn more as much as they can about the process and kind of decode everything that there is to know. There's always going to be people that want to be prepared to thrive once they get into college. I think that's a really big point right now because all of this talk is about getting into college and we've kind of turned a blind eye, you know, we being kind of the general public, but really preparing to get the most out of college, especially at the cost point that it is right now. You know, there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a point in time where the return on investment is just simply not worth the cost of admission. And so all of this, all of the, the stuff that I do professionally, right, is taking away from actually the, the, the conversations on how to better prepare all of our students to thrive in college. And and be competitive in, in a global market when, when they graduate. 
Yes, but I just want everyone to have a chance. You know, I'm so blessed to have a chance, right? I'm working, I'm almost finished with my master's degree. And it is so frustrating when you start to hear more about what's happening right now. Like the University of Minnesota Twin Cities will not consider race, family, employment, or attendance, so-called legacy status, in undergraduate student admissions. Okay, the university says the decisions are prompted by the Supreme Court's June ruling on race-conscious admissions. You start reading this stuff and you almost feel as though I shouldn't go to college. That's what that's what I'm afraid of. Some students may just walk away from the idea. That 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 is true. You know, that's a great point. When we look at what happened with Prop 209 in the University of California, right? This is a 1996 decision, um, and it was it was when the California state, you know, banned the use of race consideration in admissions. And there's been a tremendous amount of research done, longitudinal as well. Like they, they looked at numbers, and you're absolutely right in, in assuming that the number of students of color right, um, declined. The number of underrepresented minority students the following few years you know, that decided to apply declined at the most elite institutions at, you know, in that system, which was Cal Berkeley and UCLA. And then oh, the longitudinally... They looked at the data and the number of students that graduated years and years afterwards, right? Um, there was a, a drop in the percentage of black students or, or young professionals who identified as black making $100,000 or more, right? So that is a tremendous hit to the, the labor force in the state of California. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, a, a lot of collateral damage, you know, that we're not even considering. Yes, it's going to be hard, but yes, you're right. There's going to be some students that are less likely to apply. And then in turn, there's going to be probably a a downtick in in success, right? As long as colleges kind of just don't change what they're doing. And I think colleges, you know, my colleagues on the college side, they're, they're creative, they're smart, they're, they believe in social justice. And so they're going to try to do what they can to try to enroll continue to enroll diverse classes without breaking the law. Well, Nate said, uh, Nat Sittable, thank you so much for joining no, us tonight. I've learned a lot, and I, I'm still sad on the inside, I must tell you that. But I hope we can call on you again. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, Nat. Take care of yourself. Great. Thank you. You too. Good luck to your daughters. Thank you. My goodness. We're t- going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. It is now 7.56 here at WCCO, and as we uh, wrap up this hour, I must say that it, it hurts my heart to know that there will be countless programs, scholarships, grants, funding opportunities, and focuses on leveling the playing field and bringing equality to the college education sphere. That's great, but sadly, we have not accomplished 100% equality, partially due to the lingering elitism from a bygone age. How in the world are we going to heal from all of this? And I tell you, Jonathan, you know, I, I had to make myself not tear up because this is a hard thing. There's been fights over the years, over the decades, trying to make sure that those that don't have still have the knowledge. So... Please, we ought to keep praying for the students. We'll be back, you guys. Thank you so much for sticking and staying this hour. Coming up, 8 o'clock hour. Don't miss it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.